Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Johnny Bullock from the Board Breakdown podcast. So, Johnny, it's been an interesting 24 hours. Uh, what was your initial reaction to the announcement? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised what gate has gone, to be honest. Um, the performances this year have been really poor. Um, well, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be where we are, really, when you think about from where we were last season. Yes, we'll get had a lot of, had a lot of problems and time was tied behind his back a little bit for the majority of the season, but the sacking... No, not at all. I think I'm more surprised that Neil Warnock's came in straight away, to be honest. Um, but it's, 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 I, think it's a, I think it's a good appointment anyway. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, so I'm not really too sure where to start. But um, we'll talk about the announcement first of all. Did you see that coming? Uh, I'd like to say yes. I would like to say yes. I think from, when, from the performance on Saturday, um, we should have been all 5-0 down at half-time. I think the writing was on the wall. I think the what I think we'll get was going to be sacked if we didn't win at Charlton. Uh, but that's gave him some time, and then obviously, obviously that performance on Saturday. I think that was the nail in the coffin for him, and and for him to get sacked is was not a surprise at all. Uh, I think, like I mentioned there, the, the Neil Warnock appointment is the most surprising thing out of, out of it um, because it was so swift. And the way Middlesbrough are normally, we, we tend to take about six or seven weeks before we make an appointment. So to get that done and over the line very quickly, it's up, I'm very optimistic um, that he's came in as well. Yeah, let's talk about Warnock then because he has got a fantastic um, record at this level, hasn't he? Yeah. So you say that you're feeling more optimistic now. I presume you think he's going to keep you up. Yeah, that's it. I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't think we were going to go down anyway. I thought that Woodgate would have probably just kept us up by the skin of our teeth. But I think with Warnock in there, he's got so much more experience. He's got. He, I remember Rotherham a few years ago when he got them out from pretty, they were pretty much dead, um, and then he ended up saving them. Um, and for the amount of games he's got in the years of experience of management, I think it's exactly what we need right now. Sometimes you've got to throw. Th- the, the textbook out the window and just go back to four four two long ball and just hope for the best really and I think <laughs> I think that's probably the way we're going to set up now and I think we probably will keep I think we will stay up now I think under Warnock for sure yeah do you see this as kind of like a firefighter mission in the way that he's just mm-hmm. come in to try and put out all the flames yeah. and then that's it because he's only been given the job till the end of the season, hasn't he? Yeah, so he has, yeah. It's the end of the season, and, and you're right, it's pretty much more of a, a firefighter's job just to keep us in the division. But the one issue that we've got at Boron, obviously, a lot of, I don't think a lot of people are aware of it, is that we're pretty, it feels like the club's a little bit rotten at the moment. Ever since Karanka left, um, we obviously hired Agnew in the, in the Premier League, which was nuts, <laughs> really. And then we hired Gary Monk and spent millions, and he got sacked straight away because he went and, I think he was talking to Swansea at the time, so... We sacked him and we brought in Pulis to try and clear the decks. And 
that was a bit of a mess. So then when Woodgates came in, it, that was a bit of a, a nightmare for him because he's had to sell players to bring two up. Like, I think he spent two million this year on, on players like Waller, Dykesteel, Tommy Mejias, who doesn't play. <laughs> he's a third-choice goalkeeper. Um, but the signings that he's brought in have just went out on loan or have been injured. They haven't been successful either. Um, but in terms of like firefighting, there's a lot more really is to the surface you know at this the next person that comes in now or if, if we do keep one up for another year has a lot to do to get us back to where we were under likes of under when we were, well when we were under current anyway that's for sure yeah i was going to ask you because obviously it isn't just until the end of the season and if he does manage to keep you up would you be happy with warnock again next season i think <sighs> Look, we've we went from Tony Pulis to Neil Warnock in twelve months. So, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> what I mean. I must we must have annoyed someone in a previous life, to be honest. But <laughs> I think with Neil Warnock, look, look, you've you've got to be happy. I think right now to have his experience to keep us safe for like another couple of seasons while we rebuild again. Then I'd be okay with it, but do I see it happen? I don't. I don't see it happening at all. I, I really do think it is a firefighter mission. He's going to keep us up and shake hands and, and go. Yeah, obviously he's getting on a bit as well, isn't he? So oh, yeah. it would be surprised if that is his uh, last job. In, I'd be in surprised. I'd but... be surprised if it didn't kill him. To be honest, that, that, would, <laughs> that could kill him. Off, I think. <laughs> um, so. Looking ahead, I know it's still a bit premature to talk about, oh, Borough definitely staying up, but assume they do stay up, mm -hmm. who would you want to get in? What kind of manager would you want? My heart would love Karanka back, personally. You know, we, really? we, we've campaigned it a little bit on the Borough breakdown, but it does get a little bit of heat, but I don't think that'll ever come back. Um, we, I think we have to go for experience this time. We can't gamble on, on inexperience again. Um, whilst we're in this position, I think experience pays dividends. I, if, if you could keep Warnock, then great. But I think Chris Hewton is probably an example where he's out of a job right now. He's, he hasn't had a job for a while either. And obviously, yeah, it's about a year, I think he hasn't had a job since the uh, Brighton one. So I think we should be looking at him. Um, I think when you look at maybe, could we get Slav, um, Slav Jukanovic from overseas? Can we get him back? You want to be looking at those managers, but I think Hewton's probably going to be the one that Borough will get. But if Nigel Pearson doesn't get his contract extended at Watford, we've got the connections there. He was manager, uh, not manager, he was captain of the club for a couple of years under the, under Brian Robson. So he could potentially come back. So there's there's a lot of options, but surely experience, I think. Mm, Pearson, match made in heaven. Really is. see that. <laughs> right, let's talk about uh, Woodgate then, because mm -hmm. um, that's the first part of the announcement isn't it and you talked about how things were on Saturday and we were saying on the podcast on Sunday how bad a performance it was for anyone who wasn't watching the match just give us an idea of how bad that performance was uh, I thought it was going to describe it to be honest um, if anyone listens to our podcast it's it was just a rant for 45 minutes to be honest <laughs> um, but looking back at the game when it was funny enough, I tweeted something about, about a couple of minutes before the first goal went in. I went, I'm surprised we're not 2 0 down here because um, they missed two glorious chances early doors. Uh, I think it was, I might, might be RU and um, Kalulu, I think missed two good chances. And I was like, oh, this could, the writing's on the wall here. This could be really bad. Um, but 3 0 at half time, flattered. <laughs> it, it was really flattering for us, to be honest. We should have been 5 or 6 0 down. 
And then obviously when you're in those type of games, the other team will sit back in that second half. So of course you're going to get much more of the ball. You're going to look a bit more like creative. You're going to have more chances. But we didn't actually have a shot on target till the 92nd minute, which has been a theme this season anyway. Um, so when Steve Gibson's looking at he's looking at the pitch and, and he's sat in the stands, he must have thought, yeah, that like that's it. That has to be the the nail in the coffin. In Woodgate can't really survive this. I think it started really when you're looking at the lineup when you've got Nemeter and Gastel up front and they've scored eight goals in two years, um, which is <laughs> when you've got Brett Sombolonga and Fletcher on the bench and we've paid about 20 plus million for the pair of them. So for me, looking at that team, the writing was on the wall straight away. We also went to a 4-3-3, so you'll probably know from the start of the season that when we played 4-3-3, we got torn apart quite quickly. That's why we reverted to a five. and We just abandoned it, played George Friend left-back, whose legs have gone. And when you're playing with like Kalulu, who's got bags of pace, then you're going to be in trouble anyway. Um, Swansea are a good side. They, they are going to be up there. I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck in the playoffs as well. But in terms of that performance, what it was just dire. It really was the nail in the coffin for Woodgate. Yeah, it was quite lucky, really, for Woodgate that the fans weren't there because <laughs> it could have yeah. been quite a toxic atmosphere. But as a whole, how has the fan base been at games I know, I know we haven't had a game in three mm. months or whatever, but how has the atmosphere been at games? The atmosphere for the last 18 months has been like quite toxic, to be honest. Even when Pulis was in charge, look, Pulis was effective. Like, he's, look what he did with Adama Traore. Like, he made Adama, he's pretty much made Adama Traore one of the players he is today just from working with him. When it, it's true, like people like will like argue with me, but it, it is like it's facts. <laughs> um, but the, to- the, the toxic atmosphere started when Adama left. Uh, when we saw Bamford to Leeds, that's when that whole season that was the that was when it started getting a bit bad. Um, and then when Woodgate came in, Woodgate was never anyone's first choice at all. You know, we were we were so-called rumored with the ma- names I've mentioned earlier with Slav, uh, Hugh, and Pearson. We were all linked, and I say linked with quotations with them. And we Woodgate apparently was the the outstanding candidate for the job. Now you'll know from when you. <laughs> You give me a look there, and it's just like, well, yeah, it was, well, look, like, when you said an outstanding candidate for the job, you're thinking, okay, well, he's going to bring someone experienced in, brings in Robbie Keane, who hasn't had any managerial experience yeah. either, so you're thinking, right, okay, well, this could be, you know, it's a gamble, but, oh, well, this is good for the brand. So it's like, um, mm. so anyway, from that start of the season, you could tell the inexperiences where we were throwing away games, we were getting battered every single game. And then the atmosphere itself was, at, at first, was quite optimistic, even though Woodgate was our first choice. I think Bora warmed to him because he's a Bora lad. We're owned, owned by a Bora man, Steve Gibson, Bora manager. We're having youth players come through the system. That's what Middlesbrough's all about, really. It's about that homegrown talent and really replicating what the area spirit's about. And you could see after like six or seven games, it wasn't going to be like that for the majority of the season. And really, you could see it from the first game of the season when you conceded three at Luton. Um, but from that, throughout the season, the toxic atmosphere is getting worse and worse and worse. And, and by December, you think, well, Woodgate should really go here. And if we can bring in a manager in January time, then, well, we could turn things around. And you know how the championship is, where a few wins, and you could be looking at the playoffs. And those four wins really did help Woodgate throughout January. We've brought in some okay signings. Patrick Roberts, for example, absolutely superb signing. And we thought, oh, maybe our maybe like we could see our fortunes change and Woodgate might get things going. And it just never happened. It just really never happened. And it hasn't worked out for Woodgate. The atmosphere got worse. But I think now Woodgate's gone, 
Borough fans are going to uh, have pretty much shook Rugger's hand and say, look, you've tried your best, but let's just get someone else in now. I think if it was a different manager like Monk, we would be slating him to the clouds come on. Uh, but I think since it's Woodgate, I think we're more relieved that he's done. And we've got a manager in now where hopefully we can turn the fortunes around. But it'd be interesting to see what it'd be like next season if Warnock was to take over and we started booing him for bad football. So, can't win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Woodgate, it kind of seems from the outside looking in that he was just completely out of his depth. Mm. Is that harsh or would you say that's fair to say? No, that he was out of his depth. He was. And to be honest, that first job, it's always going to be difficult for managers. And he just did look, he just looked out of his depth for the majority of his, of his reign, really. I think if you want to compare him to, say, like McLaren and, and also Karanka, who were both their first jobs when the first time Millsborough, they got someone experienced with them. They had like an experienced head with them, I think. I can't remember who McLaren got in. I think it was with Steve Round, but then also Karanga had mm. Craig Hignett. We also had um, Steve Agnew as well. So he had some experienced heads around him, but we'll get never had that. So it was always going to be a challenge for him. And I don't think that... Well, I think he will get another job in football. I think Borough offered him a scout job, I think. That's from what I'm hearing, which is a bit strange. I think, if you, I think we should cut ties completely. But I think the... Yeah, it, it wasn't great. He was. He did look out of his depth for the majority of the season for sure. I think we. I think we changed formations every four games on average. So you can. I mean, we. So I don't think we still know our best eleven yet. So, <laughs> I think you should yeah. know it by the time the last time of the season for sure. Yeah, and as you mentioned, he's a well liked bloke, isn't he, at the club? Well, he was before this whole mm. uh, situation. Has this tarnished his reputation at the club now? <sighs> it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. I think you've got to respect what he's done um, for the club um, when he was playing, but also for what he's done in his career. Like what Jonathan Woodgate, when he's played for like the likes of Real Madrid, he's played for Newcastle Spurs. Obviously, he's played for Borough as well, with the biggest club up the lot. So um, <laughs> you know, it's, he's, he's look, he's done a lot for the area, and like you, and say to say tarnished, I don't think it's tarnished yet. It was just never the right appointment to start off with. And if you're a Borough fan, you're going to take that job. So you can't blame them for taking it. Um, but in terms of his reputation, I think that it's always going to be he did his best and he played for the club. So we're always going to respect him, especially because he's a Borough lad as well. Yeah. So how will you look back on his time at Borough? Because one of the things that stood out to me was some of the interesting quotes he said throughout the season, most notably that the table is lying. Um, h- how will you look back on it? Ah, it's a failure, isn't it, really? Um, it's a failure from from start to finish. You know, even with, like you mentioned, the silence of Baller, Dykesdale, um, Hayas, you know, I think those three are obviously the main signings that he's brought in and they just never really materialised straight away. Both, <laughs> obviously, Dykesdale got injured, but then Baller's back on loan, Marcus Brown, sorry, which I haven't mentioned, Signed in for about 180k, and he's went back on loan to to Oxford. So when the three signings that he's brought in haven't made an impact at all, you think, well, that's not really going to fare very well for this season. But in terms of his tenure, the tables lying. Some of the quotes that he was saying to like um, the Sky Sports uh, journalist, you just think, for goodness' sake, we'll get man, just use your brain. But like, if you start worrying in case he doesn't have one. So it's like, well, what what can you do? Um, but yeah, it's it's been a failure from start to finish. Just you know, I th- you know, it wouldn't pa- it wouldn't put it, put it past I wouldn't put it past Cora for to have one to the end of the season, then hire George Friend as head coach. Like I honest to God, just wouldn't put it past Gibson at the minute. So 
which is just pretty nuts, really. I think kind of, yeah. kind of shows the state that we're in at the minute. Yeah, we'll talk about Steve Gibson a bit later because he's someone I definitely want to touch mm. on. Um, let's talk about the players. You've mentioned the signings there and how mixed they've been this season. At the start of the season, the permanent ones that you mentioned, such as Brown and what have you, haven't really worked out. But in mid-season, you signed the likes of Patrick Roberts, who, as you mentioned, has been a good signing. And Mecha, mm, all right. Um, nah. Overall, <laughs> no, not all right. Okay. No. <laughs> Tries as but, uh, we'll, start, we'll start with Patrick Roberts, because yeah. he he's always been a promising player, hasn't he? And mm. when he signed for Borough, we were quite surprised because we thought that's quite a good sign in that how's he been he had a he, when he started off here it was like a house on fire um then he had that bad injury which was going to rule out for the rest of the season um we would have missed him massively to be honest i think patrick roberts is an absolute wonderful talent you can just see it when he's uh, he's playing he's much better than this division you can play in the premier league for sure He's got good technical ability. He's good with his feet. He can spot a pass when he wants. When he's playing, he always wants the ball to his feet, and he can create opportunities. And I think that's one thing we really struggled with this year. This year that we weren't creating clear cut chances, and he came in, and for whatever reason, we just started to our fortune started to turn a little bit. We started to play a little bit better football. We were creating chances, and then he got injured, and then we just stopped it again. Um, but I think the one thing that you do worry about that is that. He is a lone player, and also, are we going to become a one-man team again? Obviously, with Adama, it was a little bit different. He's a, a bit of a, a unique talent. Uh, but Patrick Roberts has been a great signing for us. He'd be a good signing for anyone who signs him next year. I don't think we'll keep him now. I think it was just we'll get we'll get did a lot for that signing, um, and I don't think we'll keep him now, which is a shame. But I think if he signs for anyone next year, they've got a really good player on their hands for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the permanent ones then. So you mentioned Dyke Steele, and you mentioned yeah. Boller. Uh, they were two, the two big signings, I suppose, at the start of the season, weren't they? And they've just not worked out at all whatsoever, have they? So why haven't they worked out? So the, the, Dyke still was his, his was his main signing, really. It was about one point three million, something daft like that. We paid for him, which obviously in today's age is pretty much nothing. Um, but him and Baller, when the first came in, they looked really, really nervous. Um, for whatever reason, maybe it was a step up. I think because the both came from League One, um, you know, but the both came with good pedigrees. Really, I think with with Mark Ball, he's came from Ars- he's came from an Arsenal youth system. He's came through um, a really good system, then and very elite players come through that. And for whatever reason, he just looked really nervous on the ball. He was always passing backwards, playing safe, really. And in the January, Baller got shipped out to Blackpool straight away wasn't getting his game. The reason why he wasn't getting his game was because Hayden Coulson came through this year and Hayden Coulson has been absolutely brilliant. Um, he's just came through out of absolutely nowhere and just hit the... Well, just became brilliant. Um, but also with Baller as well, you've got the likes of friend Coulson. He became third choice even when he should have been first choice. Well, actually, you could probably argue fourth choice because Marvin, John- Marvin Johnson has been playing in, in that left-back role as well. Um, so he was never going to get game time. Look, he's still young. He's still, he's still got a couple of years on his contract. We can let it pass this this season, but next year you want him to hit the ground running. You know, he's a year old. He's got more experience under his belt. He's got to start hitting it now. Um, I think Dyke Steele, he had a really bad injury. Um, he started off a little bit shaky, um, and then Housen went into right back, and Housen started performing a little bit better than him. Um, and then he came back. Dyke Steele had a really bad knee injury, um, and he's only just slowly coming back now. So, with knee injuries, you you, you probably know as well that when you have like a really severe knee injury, that, that could be a make or break for your career, really. 
Um, but it'd be interesting to see what he does when he comes back. Um, but in terms of Marcus Brown as well, he was a th- third sign. He has, he's a very raw talent, Marcus Brown. You can see where his strengths lie. He's quite direct. He can take a player on. But <laughs> the worst thing we've got about Marcus Brown is his temper. Like you, a fly could be on his shoulder, and he'll just lose his mind, and he'll just try and two foot someone. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's it's they've been mixed, just mixed signings. All talent, we've all every signing we've brought in has been very raw, and we need someone who's gonna be a bit more established but look we I think we were trying to sign young players on the cheap and it's just failed <laughs> really it's <laughs> just that's probably the right yeah. for it. it's failed massively yeah well the standout players from the season seem to be the young lads don't they you mentioned Hayden Colson Jed Spence is another one who I know you guys like um how good have they been and how big would you say their futures are futures bright for the pair of them you know the the, the both really good talents um, Hayden Coulson came from nowhere, um, but so has Jed as well. Um, we we seen Jed last year in the Tony Pulis. He played in a couple of cup games and he he, he played quite well. Um, and we've always kept an eye on him. On our podcast, we love him. To be honest, um, we said before he, he came through, we said, "Well, look, where's Jed Spence?" Because we were short on right back, and for whatever reason, he wasn't. He just wasn't getting a game. Um, and then we said, "Where's Jed Spence?" And then the next literally the next game, what game was to listen to the podcast and said, right, let's play Jed Spence right back. Um, and both players have just been a breath of fresh air, really. They've got pace, which we lacked. Um, they're able to get up and down the line. You know, Coulson's got a good crossing in. Jed is working on that crossing element, but he look, he just he looks a very, very exciting player. He was linked with Spurs, I think, in January as well. Um, so we have to quickly tie him down with Dale. Um, but their future is the pair of them. They just keep the head down, keep playing. Um, get a lot of game time. The future's really bright for the pair. I wouldn't be surprised if the left borough and went to a, a bigger club in, in the near future, for sure. Yeah, um, I think I've got to mention the striker situation at Borough because Borough's scoring record this season is terrible. <laughs> um, Ashley Fletcher is probably having one of his best seasons of his career, but more notably, a Sombolonga seems a complete shadow of the player that he was. Mm. Um What's gone right for Fletcher and then what's gone wrong for Sombolonga? That's a really tough one. It's Honestly, it's a really tough question to, uh, to answer. I think with Fletcher this year, he's just he's fit the system a little bit better than I would say Britt has. Um, but when they've been together, when we've played like say um, a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2, or a 3-5-2 they've, they've, went, they've played really well together and we've just never seen it. Um, I think the goal, for example, would be Hull at home, where it was a mm. great move um, from the pair of them, and it was probably one of the goals of the month. And you're thinking, well, why can't we play these more often? And for whatever reason, Woodgate just wouldn't. So the reason why I think Fletcher had a better season is because he's has just had more game time. He's had more game time and fitted to Woodgate's style a little bit better to what Asombolonga has, but it doesn't mean that Asombolonga is a bad striker. Um, when you look at his stats, I think he's got 35 goals in 100 summer games. I think he needs two more to beat Scott McDonald's record for Borough to be Borough's all-time championship scorer. So it's 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 difficult to say, but I'd be very, very surprised if Britt's there next season. I'd be surprised if Fletcher's there next season. Really? To be honest. Yeah, I really do. Um, Britt's got one more year left, um, so you, I think we'll be looking maybe to cash in on him. Um, I think Fletcher, you can you can kind of keep around a little bit for a little bit more. I would like to I would like to keep the pair of them. To be honest, I think they're both really good strikers. Um, but to be brutally honest, 
I think we're probably going to have to get rid of Son Belonger next season just for more of like a financial uh, decision rather than anything. Um, but yeah, I think for, for just in terms of Fletcher, he's had, he's had more game time. He's fit to a system a lot better. And I think that's why he scored goals, to be honest. Yeah, talking about big earners at the club who might be on the way out, well, look to be on the way out anyway, uh, Daniel Ayala. Yep. He's been a long-serving player at the club now, but mm. looks to be like he's heading out the exit door. And it seems like, even though he's been a great servant for Borough yeah. over the years, that he's going to be leaving not in the best of graces from the fans. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> it's... look. Daniel Ayala, he was one of the top earners. The top earners, Rudy Gustav, which is pretty nuts. He's on like 40, wow. 50 grand a week. Yeah, We signed him for like 7 million or something. But um, in terms of... Dan- <laughs> yeah, that's that, that January window. We can come at that a little bit later on. But in terms of Daniel Ayala, um, look, he's been a great servant. You know, he's 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 been there since... 20, it was Tony Mowbray, Mark Venus signing, really. Um, and so he's been there for about seven or eight years and he's been from the, from the highs and the lows and... To be honest, I'm um, I'm not surprised that he's going. It's disappointing that he's going in the way he's he is leaving. You know, I think there was rumour that we offered him a contract last year and he didn't want to sign it. So for me, the club should have moved him up then. And the way we've kind of just let it go down and go down, it's kind of go down, and then we've just let him go for nothing. That's probably where I feel a bit more bitter. Um, I think with with Danny Ayala, it's more or less of like. Well, he's never played 46 games in a season. He always got injured around January, February time and missed about three months. Um, so he's always been like that. And you're right, he's going to be a player that we're going to probably miss because we could have really done with him on Saturday um, just to organise the defence. But Danny Ayala's always been a ticking time bomb for anyone. If, if you watch him on a regular basis, he, he'll he do really one really good thing and then, two, then do two things which make your heart come up your chest. Um, so... I wouldn't say he's tarnished his, his career with Middlesbrough at all. I think a lot of Borough fans are a little bit frustrated of how it's ended. And mm. for me, if he goes to any club in the Championship or back to Spain, um, which is which he's linked to go back to, then he goes with, with me, he goes with good grace for sure. Yeah, well, he's not the only player who's out of contract um, this summer. You've got the likes of Howson, Piers, Johnson. I think there's a couple of others who I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but Borough already had a thin squad. It looks like if those players were to leave, you'd have an even thinner squad, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, well, Piers, I think Piers has signed a new deal, so it's I think he's got one oh, more. He he's got one more year left, so it's like. Okay. He's a he's a young keeper anyway, so we've just brought in Stjanovic as well. So if he was to go anywhere, it wouldn't have been too much of a big loss. Um, but in terms of Housen, you've got Marvin Johnson, there you've got Adam Clayton, got Rudy Gustad. Um, I would say they're probably the, the and George Friend as well. Um, if you look at those players in general, you've got Rudy Gustad, who was a really high earner, like I just mentioned there, about 30, 40 grand a week. Appreciate sure Gusted's been quite good in the last few games. He's been direct, and I think you've got to be direct when you're down at the bottom. Which he might come, he might really come well under Neil Warnock. Um, but I don't think he'll get a new deal, so he won't be a, much of a big miss. Um, Johnny Housen, he's 31, 32 now. Can we get the most out of him uh, next season? So are we going to commit to another two or three year deal with Johnny Housen? That's the aspect of it. George Friend. George Friend's the one which I probably wouldn't give a deal to. Um, as much as I like George. If we're going to give him a deal now, I think we have to give him a deal with a coaching role in mind or give him a deal where he said, look, we just want you for the dressing room, really. A lot a lot like how Woodgate was in his final 
Um, Clark worked under Karanka. He was pretty much in the dressing room for the majority of the season, just helped motivate the lads, to be honest. Um, Marvin Johnson, for me, has we paid three million for him. Like, one of Gary Monk's signings, and he's been like quite a frustrating sign. He's been very professional in this time, and you know, he's, he, we thought he was going to quite he's going to come good this season. Um, we called him Neymar for a few weeks because he just couldn't stop assisting people, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, look, he, he wouldn't be a big miss either. And um, those five players we've mentioned, it's just yes, they are important players, but they are also big earners. And I think what we'll see with Borough over the next year or two is that real restructure. And we need someone at the helm to really help us kick on. Um, I think Millsbury is going to go through a phase now where we've we've finally got all those really big earners. That was obviously going to be Fletcher. And, and Brit that are the big earners but I feel like there's going to be a big restructure there so in terms of giving people a deal I'd, try, I'd hopefully try and give Clayton one more year um, House, and if we give House another year then that'd be great but that's pretty much it really to be honest I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad if they all left Yeah let's talk about the bigger picture then finally because there's it's been a bad few well, couple of seasons now we'll say for Borough um, where has it really gone wrong I imagine the signings haven't been one of the highlights, because as you mentioned, we've mentioned plenty in the past 10 minutes. Jess Stead, Johnson, Braithwaite, they're just so off the top of my head, who have cost mm. a lot of money, haven't really worked out. The recruitment at the club hasn't been great, has it? Recruitment's been the problem for a long, a long, long time, to be honest. Um, you know, we, we've always made probably bad signs while we've made good signings. Um, it probably really started, to be honest, in that January transfer window when we were in the Premier League and we were linked with the likes of Jesse Rodriguez, Bojan, um, there's one more, which I can't, or Robert Snodgrass. Um, those were the three mm-hmm. signs we were going to sign. Everyone was really optimistic. Those three signs would have done us really well in the Premier League. And you've got to remember at that time, we were, we were never in the relegation zone. Crank was doing okay. Uh, we were just mid-table. We were the, we considered the, the least amount of goals and from just outside the top four at that point we just weren't scoring as many um, it was quite defensive but that January window we were linked with those players but then we end up bringing in uh, Rudy Gestead for 7 million Patrick Bamford for 7 or 8 million and then we brought in Edlin Guardiola for 4.5 million um, which you've, you're looking at me thinking why on earth you brought those signings in and it was just yep, absolutely yep. pointless you know you spent about 15-20 million on three signings that won't benefit the team at all. Patrick Bamford and Rudy Gasset, I'm going to keep you up. You know, we've got Rudy, we've got um, Alvaro Negredo up front, and we've got Adama there, we've got Ramirez, um, and then we've got Victor Valdez in goal. Like the season was nuts, to be honest. And then everyone just went AWOL when Karanka left. Um, and then that was when it started to get really bad. So Gary Monk comes in, you've, like, you've just mentioned there, we brought in um, we brought in Martin Braithwaite for 10 million, we brought in. Um, on under 20 PLS, we've brought in Adrian Flint for seven or eight million, brought George Saddle for seven million, uh, Paddy McNair for five million. We've brought in we brought in Brit, yeah, of course, for 15 million, Ashley Fletcher for seven. Um, I'm trying to think top of my head, uh, Marvin Johnson. I, for three I didn't realize it was this bad. <laughs> um, so when you look at it that season, we spent about 40 million, 45 million uh, under Gary Monk. And we, I think, we're th- oh, we bought Cyrus Christie for another three million as well. So, and he got sold in the January. Um, yeah, mm. by Pulis. So, oh well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in terms of that season, we we made like a financial loss of about five million because we sold like Darun and obviously other players I can mention um, in that team. So we made about a loss of about five million. 
And then under Tony Pulis, like I mentioned, we brought in Aidan Flynn for seven or eight million, obviously George Sell for seven or eight million, Paddy McNair for five plus million, you know. So we've been throwing a lot of cash at it. But the signs I mentioned have been pretty brutal, to be honest. Like they've just never came off. Um, Braithwaite was unfortunate. Yeah, he, he had quality, and is I'm not obviously he's at Barcelona now, which is ridiculous. But it's um, <laughs> he had a lot of quality, Martin Braithwaite. And mm. when Gary Monk got sacked and Pulis came in, look, it was just never going to work out. To be fair, and Braithwaite's been slated, and he's been known as a bit of a snake for it. But obviously, it was, it's a mixture of both of us. But the recruitment side of things has just been brutal. We've just we've paid so much for players, which just a subpar. You know, like eight million for for George Sal. Like, <laughs> come on, like, you know, to put it in perspective, I know it was many years ago, but we paid seven million for Ravinelli, four million for Janino, four million for Emerson. We paid four million for Viduca. Obviously, times have changed now; price are inflated. But when you compare those prices, it's just absolutely mental. Um, yeah. But recruitment's been that that really big issue, and I think we won't we won't progress as a football club now until we get recruitment right. And that's going to take time. And unfortunately, Borough don't have time at the minute. We need that quick fix, but also a long-term view as well. We should be planning really for three, five, ten years. And we're not, I feel like Borough just go through the motions every season. There's no real structure in place. And when we mentioned earlier on in, in the chat about we got one at the end of the season, then what? That pretty much sums Millsborough. I don't like Millsborough, nor what they want. Um, so it's... Mm. It's worrying. Um, it's really worrying. I think just to, just to really round it off is we brought in Adrian Bevington at the start of the season to be head of recruitment. Adrian Bevington left after three months because um, we restructured. So it's for me, it's it seems like we're in a bit not. I wouldn't say turmoil is probably the wrong word. Um, we just need a big shake from top to bottom. I think, and hopefully we can have that in the next couple of years if we if we do still. Yeah, how is Steve Gibson viewed now by the fans? Because mm. he's, for quite a few seasons before you got promoted, he was viewed as like one of the best chairmen in the country. Yeah. But in recent seasons, it seems like he's not as fondly thought of by the fans. Is that right? Look, Steve Gibson's always going to be a legend. Um, he's always going yeah. to. He's always going to be the man that was the leader of that consortium in 1986 that saved the club he's invested millions and millions and millions of pounds to keep the club running he still on average pays about 400k i think a month or something that's keep us afloat so in that respect he's always going to be a legend but the problem we've got i think is that he never owns up to his mistakes and it's like well with woodgate i feel like he was if he if if gibson gets a decision wrong he's he never really owns up to it he just says ah well I'm just going to stick with him until it becomes unbearable. And Woodgate should have went ages ago. Um, we just didn't want to sack him. But look, Gibson will always be the best chairman in this football, in, in the football league. He'll always be one of the top high regarded chairmen. Um, but I think he just needs help. I really do. If, if I think he's still trying to make decisions based on fo- how football was in like 90s, the 90s and the early uh, millennium, really, where it was kind of like a chairman and a manager. They would just speak with them, um, but now it's a chairman, director of football, management, coaches, scouting networks. The whole game's changed now, and I feel like we're still trying to manage a team from many years ago. I feel like he just needs a little bit of help, even if it's financially or someone who can come in and say, "Look, Steve, I'm going to make decisions here." Um, we've got Neil Bowser as a CEO, but he doesn't—he hasn't made any good decisions, to be honest. 
Um, he's always smiling on the photos and he gets rinsed for it, but like that's it. Like I don't see what else we're bringing to the table, to be honest. Um, well, on the football side of things, I think commercially we're a lot better than what we have been, but there's still a lot of work. I think for someone who works in digital marketing like myself, we should be doing a lot more. Um, but yeah, it's, I think Gibson's always going to be high, highly regarded, mate. Absolutely. Uh, but like I mentioned, you, you just need some help. Yeah. Final question. Yep. Say, for example, the worst did happen mm-hmm. and Borough got relegated to League One next season. How bad would that be for the club? You know, it's not the end of the world. It's really not the end of the world. Um, Millersborough always going to have that that real core fan base of ten to twelve, fourteen thousand fans that will turn up every week, regardless of what division we're in. In terms of bad, you've seen teams go down at that division: Leeds United, Norwich, Southampton, Leicester, uh, Bournemouth. I think were there for a while. Um, I'm trying to think of mm. other teams that have, have oh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United, for a fine example. And Sunderland there now at the minute, which is brilliant for us because we find it hilarious. But it's, um, <laughs> if we've got to have a time, if we've got to have a tease with a derby next year, but it's not the end of the world. And but it's a very difficult division. It's really, really hard to get out there. Um, like Sunderland, the find out now, it's very physical. It's uh, it's an okay standard. It's not as bad as people make out. Um, but we're going to have to bring in the bodies to help us get out of that division. Um, like I mentioned, not the end of the world. But it'd be really, really disappointing. It will be a disaster of a season, especially from where we were last year, to fall from grace like we have. But do I say we deserve it? Well, yeah, we probably would deserve it if we got relegated because we haven't been good enough this year. Um, but whether we do or not, who knows? I think we will stay up. I think Warnock's the man to keep us forward. Um, but after that, we should be looking ahead now. We should be having that three, five, ten year plan um, to really kickstart and create that brand image that represents the fans and also the area as well. Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown Podcast. Thank you for your time today. No problem, mate. Thanks for having me. We'll be back again on Sunday. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.